0: This is Getting it to know, know Your Bible, Bible a program dedicated to the proclaiming you know of the good Bible, news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Okay.
1: Getting to Know Your Bible, Topic Amazing Grace. Speaker, Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and I want to welcome you today, especially if you may be watching today for the very first time. My, my mother was a godly woman. She'd been with the Lord now for a number of years, and my mother was a beautiful singer. She had a beautiful alto voice. And my daughters learned to sing alto by sitting with her in worship and listening to her sing. They called her Mammy. And my mother would go around the house singing. I can recall that as a child. And one of my favorite songs to this very day is one of, was her favorite song that she would sing so frequently. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We want to talk about that amazing grace of God today. Please stay tuned. Now on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize it's free. We're not trying to make money. I recall one night my wife was uh, manning one of the phones where we would answer telephones when we were on at night, and some lady called and requested the Bible course, and she said, I'll be back in just a moment. i have got to go get my credit card. And my wife said, why do you need your credit card? She said, to pay for the Bible course. She said, there is no charge for the course. She, the woman couldn't believe it. But this course is free, and that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it, we want to
0: pause for just a moment.
1: I'm going to read a passage from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, and verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me." I want you to know the expression there, My grace is sufficient for thee. And it is the case that the amazing grace of God Almighty is sufficient for all mankind. When we talk about grace, what do we really mean? When we read passages like, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. What do we understand that to mean? When we read passages like the Apostle Paul's passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 when he said, By the grace of God I am what I am. What do we understand that to mean? What is grace? I suppose the one uh, definition that I've heard all of my life is that grace is unmerited favor. Well, that's really true, isn't it? I remember buying an insurance policy many years ago, and, and the agent explained to me about the grace period that was built into that policy. Well, I was young and very inexperienced in those matters, so I asked him, what does that mean? He said, it just simply means that if your payment is due on the first of the month, they're going to give you some grace, a grace period of 10 days to get the payment in. So now that I could understand that. Did I deserve those 10 days? Absolutely not, because the payment was due on the first of the month, and that's when it was paid, incidentally. But I knew that I had 10 days of grace. I didn't deserve it, but that's what they were giving me anyway. Grace is God's unmerited favor. There's not one single solitary thing that you can do, that I can do, that anyone in the whole world can do to put God in debt to us so that God owes us salvation. The only thing that God owes us is to love us. And outside of that, He doesn't owe us anything. And I don't suppose that He even has to love us. You're not going to earn your salvation. And that's not to say that there isn't something the individual must do in order to be saved by the grace of God. But God's grace is an unmerited benefit, an unearned favor. I heard grace described like this, that grace is God giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. Well, that's equally true. I think about a story in the Old Testament about David, and, and, and David took another man's wife, Bathsheba, and he sent her husband into the thick of the battle and the man was killed. David did that on purpose because he wanted the man's wife. And then Nathan the prophet came to David and, and told David a story about a a poor man had one sheep and a rich man with many sheep and the rich man took the only sheep that belonged to the poor man and he said, what should you do with him? And David condemned the the rich man. He said, "You're, you're the man I'm talking about, David. And Nathan didn't have to write David a letter for him to understand. They didn't have to draw him a picture for him to understand. David knew exactly what he was talking about. You've taken this man's wife and you had no right to her. And David made this statement to, Sam, to, to Nathan in the book of Samuel, I sin. And Nathan said, well, then the Lord's put away your sin. Now, now, according to Jewish law, David deserved to die. He deserved to be stoned to death. According to Jewish law, so did the woman. But what God did is he gave David what he needed. That was forgiveness. Someone said, well, do you believe his sins were forgiven? I do. Because Nathan said, then he he has forgiven you your sins. And I believe that all forgiveness of sins, even under that Jewish law, which was an inferior law to the gospel of Christ, all forgiveness of sins was contingent upon Jesus' death on the cross, according to Hebrews 9, verses 15 through 17. And so, as the late Gus Nichols, the gospel preacher that I love dearly, said, he had a promissory note for the forgiveness of sins based upon the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did David earn that? No. Did he deserve that forgiveness? Absolutely not. He deserved to die. But God gave him what he needed rather than what he deserved. I think about another story in the New Testament. That's the that's about the prodigal son, a boy that wanted his inheritance and he went off to the far country and he wasted his substance in riotous living and the like. And then he found out he was in the hog pen feeding pigs. I mean, can you imagine? He was even eating the husk the swine did eat. And the Bible says that no man would give him anything to eat. While he was there wallowing in the mire, the hog pen, he came to himself, we're told. He said, I'm going back home and I'm going to my father and I'll say I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I want you to make me a hired servant of yours. And when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and he ran, fell on his neck and he kissed him and he took his son back home. Now, question. Did the son deserve to be forgiven? Did deserve did he deserve the father's love? No, but the father gave it to him anyway. He said, I no longer deserve to be called to be called your my, your my your son. I don't deserve to be your son, absolutely. There's not a single person under the sound of my voice, and that would include me that deserves to be called a child of God. But because of God's grace, His mercy, in sending Jesus into this world, men can be saved from their sins. That's what Titus 2 and 11 is all about. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. And the grace of God appeared when Jesus Christ came into this world for the purpose of dying on the cross for the salvation of the whole human family. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 that's very significant. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, well, how was Jesus rich? He, He was in heaven with the Father. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Jesus came in, into this world divesting himself of all of the riches and the glory of heaven, and he came down into a world of suffering, a, a world of poverty, and, and Jesus did that because he loved us so. Greater hath love hath no man than this, he laid down his life for his friends, John 15, 13, And Jesus did that as the gift of God's grace. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son into the world, not because we deserved Him to die on the cross, but it was an unmerited favor. It was an unmerited gift given to us by God Himself and how thankful we ought to be today for that gift. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. Grace is God's part in our salvation. It was was God's grace that sent Jesus into this world. Faith is the human side of salvation. No one can believe in Jesus for me. I have to do that for myself. No one can repent of my sins. I have to do that for myself. No one can confess their faith in Jesus for my behalf. I have to do that for myself. No one can be baptized into Christ for me. I have to do that for myself. So there's a human side to salvation. There's a divine side to salvation. We're saved by the grace of God. And God's grace is extended to the whole world. Does that mean that all people will be saved? No, because not all people respond to, favorably to, the grace of God. Some reject His grace. But I want you to know that all people everywhere, anywhere, can be saved by the grace of God. For example, Jesus Christ came into this world to save murderers. You say, now, Brother Lambert, you can't be serious, can you, about... And he's going to save people that are murderers. Well, on the day of Pentecost, the people that were there that, that Peter was preaching to still had the blood of Jesus on their hands in a figurative sense. They're the ones that cried out and said, crucify him, crucify him. And later after Peter preached about Jesus to them, they said, what do we need to do? And he thought, well, you need to repent and be baptized for remission of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there, according to verse 41, about 3,000 were baptized that day. I'd love to attend a baptismal service like that one day, wouldn't you? 3,000 people being immersed into Christ. Now, that was by the the grace of God. He can save murderers. He can save good moral people. In the 10th chapter of Acts, we'll read about one of the best guys you'll ever read about anywhere in all the world. His name was Cornelius. The Bible says that he was a... He was a God-fearing man. The Bible says he was a man that feared God with all his house. He was a good father. He he was a a very liberal man. He gave much alms to the people, we're told, in Acts chapter 10. But, But Cornelius, in spite of the fact that he was a good man, was a lost man. Someone said, well, how can we be certain? He was such a good person. How can we be sure that he was lost? Well, because when Peter came to the house of Cornelius and he preached the gospel to Cornelius. There were, Cornelius and his household were baptized because Peter in verse 47 and 48 commanded them to be baptized. And then when Peter got home in the city of Jerusalem, his Jewish brethren called him on the carpet because he had been associating with and preaching to Gentiles. And that day they would have nothing to do one with the other. And then Peter explained and he began to rehearse by order the things that happened at the house of Cornelius, how Cornelius was called for him to come to his house. And he said in verse 14 to tell him words whereby he must be saved. Now if Peter needed to tell Cornelius and his household things to do to be saved, evidently the man was unsaved. He was lost. And he was still living under the sinking ship of patriarchy, and he was not—he uh, was n- not in a saved relationship with God at this particular point, because he must obey the gospel of Christ. But Jesus died on that cross, and God sent him as an unmerited gift to good people, good moral people, and. And I rather suspect that 99.9% of the people that are watching this telecast right now are just like Cornelius. Good man, good man, pays his taxes, he's good to his family, trying to do right by his family, has a good name in the community. Why well, he went down to school joined the PTA, and he helps with Little League Ball, and and his wife helps with softball where the daughter plays, and and he's just well known. The community would think that community would say that that's one of the best men in this community. But friends, if you don't have Jesus in your heart and your life, if you've never accepted that gift of God's grace by believing on Christ and repenting of your sins, confessing that you believe in Jesus and being baptized into Christ, then 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 you 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 need to. You need to think seriously about this gift. So so God's grace is for all people. It's even for all kinds of sinners. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and verse 10 says, Know ye not the unrighteous. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he lists a number of sins there that for which people might not be willing be able to go to heaven. Sins like adultery and fornication and 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 all kinds of sexual sins that are condemned in the Bible. But verse eleven says, And such were some of you. Past tense. They're not like that anymore. They're no longer guilty of adultery in the sight of God, in the eyes of God, or fornication or homosexuality or or all other sins that he mentioned there, because they had had their sins washed away. You, but you, and such were some of you, but you're washed, and you're justified, and now you've been sanctified. And I don't care what sin you may have committed. God's grace was, it, it was, to, to, was because of you and because of your sins. He shed, Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, that your sins might be forgiven in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God's grace indeed is amazing. You say, well, I don't understand the grace of God. Let, let me illustrate it with an Old Testament story. That's the story about Noah and the ark and the Noah and the flood. And God saw that, the, that, the, that man had become exceedingly wicked and violence filled our earth just like violence is filling our earth today. And and there were poor marriages in that day. Home the breakdown of the home in that day, just like there's a breakdown of the home today. But the Bible says in Genesis six eight that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And God instructed Noah to build an ark. And Noah and his family were saved in that ark. First Peter three twenty says When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a prepared, wherein few souls that is, eight souls were saved by water. And so Noah and his family were saved, not out of the ark, in the ark. It was the ark of safety. It was the ark of salvation, the ark of deliverance. And it was by God's grace. Well, someone says, well, how do we know God, that, that he was saved by the grace of God? But Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. Genesis 6, 22. You see, if we benefit from the grace of God, we've got to do what God tells us to do, not what I think I need to tell God that I want to do. I've got to do it the way God wants me to do things. Noah was saved by the grace of God. Noah didn't save himself. For Noah to have saved himself, he would had known there was a flood coming. He didn't know that till God told him. He would have had to known to build an ark. He didn't know that till God told him. He had known how to build an ark. He didn't know that till God told him. And then, Noah could have, if Noah had have saved himself, he would have had known it was coming, the flood was coming to build an ark, how to build an ark, and then he could have survived the flood and he could have beat his chest and said, look what I did. But he did not save himself. He was saved by the grace of God when he obeyed God's instructions. And we are saved today when we obey the instructions of God Almighty saved by the amazing grace of God. And God's grace is sufficient to save all humanity. I do not care what color you are. I do not care what language one may speak. I do not care whether one knows a difference in an adverb or an adenoid. God's grace can save an individual from their sins. And that's making it about as simple as I know how to do it as a gospel preacher. I do not believe in trying to preach in such a complicated way that as one man said that he listened to a man speaking and had to have his dictionary right by his side in order to look up words the man was using. And the man looking up the words had a doctor's degree. We need to speak so people can understand us. God sent Jesus to save us. Jesus came to save us all, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And it was God's un- gift to the world, an unmerited gift, a gift we did not deserve. And we must believe in His Son. We must be willing to turn away from the sins that grieve the heart of God and get out of the willful, deliberate, sinning business and give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. By believing on him and being baptized into him. You know Jesus said this in Mark 16, verse 16. Listen to Him: He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's so so simple. He that believes, number one, baptized two, shall be saved, number three. Suppose it read, he who believes and is baptized shall receive one million dollars. I don't think it would be difficult for us to sta- understand the conditions of receiving the $1 million. We'd have to obey the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation, Romans 1-16. And the gospel consists of facts about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1-4. to And we must do what the Corinthians did in obeying the gospel. Paul told them in 1 Corinthians 15 that they had obeyed that gospel. And when we learn about what they did, we turn to the book of Acts when the church at Corinth began. And in verse 8 of that chapter, the Bible says, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. They did just exactly what Jesus said to do. He that believes, Baptized shall be saved. Someone says, well, what church did they join? They didn't have to worry about that because there were not all of the different churches a multiplicity of churches that were in existence at that time. The Bible says the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved, Acts 2:47. They were just added to the church. That's just simple historical fact that, that they were simply added to the church by the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you been saved by the grace of God? You say, well, I believe in God. That wasn't my question. That wasn't my question. Have you been saved by the grace? Have you accepted the the benefits of God's precious gift, the amazing grace of God? Have have you done anything about it? Well, he said, I've been thinking about it. Well, what are you waiting on? Are you waiting on a better time? There's not a better time than today. Not even a better time than now. And we would urge you, we would would implore you with all the love I have in my heart to do something because I'm concerned about your soul. We'll be somewhere in eternity 10 million years from right now. Oh, we think about the here and now. I know all of that. I know we think just what's going on right now in our lives. But there's more to life than meets the eye. And one day we're going to be somewhere in eternity. You won't have to wear a wristwatch. You won't have to punch a clock at work any longer. There are a lot of things we'll not have to do any longer because we're time doesn't exist. And we're all candidates for eternity. I want to urge you to do something about it. I want to urge you to give your life to Christ today. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 one more time. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not every says. He is the author of eternal salvation unto all of those that obey him. Hebrews 5 verse 8 verse 9. Now, have you obeyed Christ? Some are saved, some are lost. That's just the way it's going to be at the judgment. And I want every person under the sound of my voice that are watching right now to be saved from their sins. That's the reason I'd encourage you to, to, to be baptized, if you'd like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, that they might be washed away, why don't you contact us? We'll have someone to call you, get in touch with you right where you live, and they will take you and baptize you into Christ. I want to urge you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not sure where it's located, you call us and we will get that information for you. Also, right now, as we come to the close of our telecast today, Would you not pick up the telephone? Call for the free Bible correspondence course. And we'll send it to you as soon as possible. That's all you have to do. Just call us or you can write to us as well. The the address is on the screen along with the toll-free number. And we want you to have it. Now, you can take this course online and we have that information on the screen as well. But we want you to have it. Because we want you to, first of all, know about the grace of God. Secondly, to see the benefits of the grace of God. And third, to enjoy the benefits of the amazing grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet that sound. The last line of that song is, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. AND THAT WILL ALL BE BECAUSE OF GOD'S GRACE. I WANT TO THANK YOU FOR WATCHING TODAY. UNTIL WE MEET AGAIN, MAY THE LORD BLESS YOU AND KEEP YOU, IS MY PRAYER.
0: GETTING TO KNOW YOUR BIBLE HAS BEEN PRESENTED BY CHURCHES OF CHRIST. IF YOU HAVE A QUESTION ABOUT THE CHURCH, OR IF YOU WOULD LIKE THE LOCATION OF A CHURCH OF CHRIST NEAR YOU, OR TO RECEIVE THE FREE BIBLE COURSE, WRITE TO GETTING TO KNOW YOUR BIBLE. P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580. Or call 1 877 711 5214.